This is Peter King, and you're listening to Wired for Impact. All right, I am here with Michael Yon, combat correspondent. Thank you so much for carving out some time today, Michael. This is incredible. Thank you. Just back from Darien Gap late last night, got in about midnight. Been an interesting time, as you can imagine. I bet it has, and I'm looking forward to getting an update. You look like you've been in the jungle for the last couple of weeks. I have. I'm looking like Grizzly Adams. I don't even have time to shave yet. I, I got. I should have been, you know, need a haircut and shave to come out looking like this. No, it's all good. I I feel honored that we're one of the first to talk to you as you're coming out of this. It's I'm you're the first. Not, <laughs> the the first. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to hear. A report, or I think I am. I brought uh, I brought a bottle of rum with me in case it gets a little bit heavy, which I imagine it may. Every time I start to feel good about yeah, what's going on in the world, of water. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say every time I I start to feel good about where things might be heading, then I, I kind of review your stuff. I'm like, oh shit, we got a long way to go. <laughs> so g- g- give us an update. What did you see? What did you learn? Give us a status report on on what you found there in the Darien Gap. Well, the Darien Gap, for those who haven't heard of it, is a it's called the gap because there's a highway that goes from Alaska all the way to Tierra del Fuego, right? So you can actually get on a motorcycle or whatever and drive all the way from Alaska all the way to Tierra del Fuego at the tip of South America, except for this one gap that runs through and between Panama and Colombia. It's some really intense jungle. It's very famous. If you look at if you look online about Darien Gap, whatever article you first pull up will probably talk about the danger, right? I mean, almost inevitably is about how dangerous the gap is. It is one of the most dangerous places on earth. And that's where, interestingly, so many migrants from around the world funnel through. It's an hourglass of migration, let's say, from Asia, from from a little bit from Europe, many from Africa and others from South America. So they funnel through Colombia into that over 60 miles of just really intense jungle and and then they come out if they survive right through the Darien Gap and then from there they're put on buses and they go to Costa Rica which is the next country after Panama and, and they get off and planes trains and automobiles mostly buses they end up in the United States all over the United States and that's of course in addition to all the others who come in from the northern border and from those who are just flying into the United States and from those who they are landing on the Florida beaches right now or the dry Tortuga Island, which is also part of Florida, or those who come across from the Northern Triangle, which is like El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, you know, and also Mexico. And then they land up in the United States. I'm, I'm often on the Texas border uh, or Arizona and, and that Southern border as well. We're just getting overwhelmed. Or, there is no border, actually. I don't even know why I call it the border. It's just a line on the map at this point. Now, through the Darien Gap, we've got about a thousand per day flowing right now. But actually, talking about about current trends is useless. One thing that Chuck Colton will say, a good friend of mine who is a very experienced war correspondent who spent years going in and out of the Darien Gap. He says, you know, talking about these, you know, how the flows are changing this week or this month or whatever is like explaining talking about a man going up a stairwell, you know, with a yo-yo and focusing on the yo-yo, right? So what we really need to look at, I, I think that's an old stock market term, right? But what, what we need to look at is the, the long-term trends. And the long-term trends are clearly just skyrocketing. I first started coming to the gap immediately after Biden was elected, because that was when, or when, let's say when he was put in office. Actually, immediately flew to El Paso, and the border was immediately starting to get overwhelmed. And the border patrol, like, here it is. And people were saying, when you ask them, the people crossing the border, they would say, because of Biden. They were very clear about it. You didn't have to prompt them, is this because of Biden or something? Would You just ask, why are you crossing? And they'll say, Biden, Biden. You know? What has been the... What's been the motivation? Now, you said that a lot of them were saying that it was Biden, Biden, Biden. Are are these people looking for a better life? Are they coming to America just to you know find opportunity? Or what else are you finding with the people that you're speaking to? The vast majority clearly are economic migrants. That's obvious because they say it. I mean, many of the Haitians, for instance, and Cubans spent years in places like Brazil and Chile before they came up. They've got the ID cards, the official, you know, a state issued ID cards from Chile, as an example. You say most of the most of the Haitians came through Chile first, and or Brazil. A few were in places like Ecuador, but mostly Chile and Brazil. 
And now other Haitians and Cubans will tend to go through Suriname. If they're going directly out of Haiti, they'll go to Suriname. And the reason for that is they don't have, they don't need a visa. And Suriname, of course, is a small country in South America. It's an old Dutch colony. And from there, they'll make their way over to Colombia, and then they'll go to the Darien Gap. And then the United States has, has made a program between Costa Rica and Panama called Controlled Flow. Controlled flow is really, let's say, uncontrolled migration is what it should be called. It's sponsored by the United States and the United Nations and the OIM, which is the immigration. And you should look up OIM, by the way. They, they, okay. they're just, they're, they're, they are a pump that's pumping huge amounts of migrants into Europe and into the United States and Canada as well. And not only that, but also down in Australia and other places. These are the people that work for George Soros, it's, it's, it, this is not hidden. This isn't conspiracy theory. Obviously, when you mention the Soros name, people go, that's conspiracy theory. And I'll say, right. no, it's called, it's called you not doing your homework. Right. <laughs> He's right. very exactly. clear about it. They don't hide it. Many of these so-called conspiracy theories are not conspiracy theories at all. They're, like, they're just people paying attention. For instance, that the energy and food supplies are under attack. They are under attack. Many people have said to call it under attack is a conspiracy theory. It's not. They say they're doing it. They don't hide it. It's on, and, and the, the, the World Economic Forum, or the Dutch and some of the Europeans call it the WEF, is conjoined with CCP. I mean, they are entwined. They share a heartbeat. They're Siamese twins with the Chinese Communist Party. Again, mm -hmm. people will say that's conspiracy theory, and they are flatly wrong. In fact, they're revealing a deep level of ignorance to even raise a hand and say that's conspiracy theory. The Davos, where the annual meetings take place, there's also annual meetings in China, right? And they've been do they've been conjoined with China since since the when since the very beginning of this in the 1970s. They've mm -hmm. been together from almost day one, right? And so you know it, it's not conspiratorial or conspiracy theory. It's just they say, the World Economic Forum say, they, they, they plan, the globalists say that they plan to pump 1.2 billion migrants into the West, into Europe and the United States and other places. 1.2 billion, that's most of the Earth, right? Not most of the Earth. It's, let's say if, there's, if the population is 8 billion people, whatever it really is, who really knows? They, they, they want to put 1.2 billion of those into our countries. And they are succeeding. While Americans sleep and talk about, you know, when the blue helmets get here, then we'll finally resist. Well, let, yeah, me, right. let me give you, a, let me give you a, a wake up call. These people that are coming through the Darien Gap and over the Texas border, I'm there all the time. I'm in Mexico and Texas and Arizona or Chuck Holton and I and over in Morocco and Greece and Lithuania. We're watching these things around the world. It's the same dynamic. Military age male. The vast majority of people coming through are military age males, right? And what the cameras will do, CNN and the rest, they will focus on the relatively few number of children, many of whom are being trafficked, right? They will, they will put the camera on the women and children, like New York Times just sent journalists through the Darien Gap. She played like she roughed it all the way through. It was a Cinefront, which is the border patrol here, sort of, sort of a national police border patrol in Panama, escorted them and then brought Indians, escorted them the rest of the way, carried their bags and that sort of thing. And the New York Times, they focused on one girl and her mother during the whole trip. Didn't mention one iota. Look on my Locals.com page today. On Locals.com, you'll see video that I just made about 48 hours ago when it, at least 90% of the people coming through are very fit military-age males. These are like guys, these are like teenagers to 30s, right? So can uh, I, if I could interrupt you yeah, for a second, uh -huh. Michael... Uh, yeah. A second ago, you were saying that the majority of them were coming over for economic reasons. Are is it the, the, when I hear you say military-aged males, there's a part of me that thinks, well, is there a military intention here, or are you just simply saying that these are young men that are looking to provide for their families and they're here for economic reasons? I think the people as they come, which you know, whether it's Chuck Holton or. I or others who talk with them, they will tend to tell you they're coming over for a better life and, and that sort of thing, right? But, you know, again, if you've been in Chile for four years or something, you, you, many of the Haitians, will, their ID cards will show they've been there for four or five or six years. That's like the sweet spot. Many of them went back during that time. Anyway, 
They will say they come for a better life, and they may actually be doing that. However, it's there's clear advertisement campaigns going on. For instance, there's an advertisement campaign now that, that in fact, it's in this video that Chuck's been cutting and working on all day today. It's a Chinese advertisement in, land, in a Mandarin language, and it's showing how you can go, if you're Chinese, from China, over to Ecuador, up into Colombia, across the Darien Gap. They're making it look like a like a guided tour. They're, all, the, all the Chinese are smiling, like, you know, it's, they're making it look like it's an African safari. It's like no big deal. You're going to end up in America and, and you, know, you pay your money. And so there's that side of it. When we were in Colombia about, I don't know, two years ago now, we were in a hotel, Chuck Holton and I and Masako Ganaha, a Japanese journalist, who, by the way, just called out Klaus Schwab in, in Davos a couple of weeks ago and went completely viral. She, she's the one that tracked him down and was putting the mic in his face. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that was Masako. She was with Chuck and I. And down in the, in, in Colombia, and we're in this restaurant, in this hotel, and they got the big screen up, and CNN's playing on there, and it shows a map and shows you how to get through. It shows you, you know, go here, go here, go here. And again, I just filmed something like that about 48 hours ago in the Darien Gap in one of the camps. They have little posters made in a, in a, in a QR code where you can put your phone on the QR code, and it'll show you the map and how to get to the, the different aid stations and how to get, it tells you how to get money. It tells you how to get legal assistance, all these different things. It shows you exactly how to get up and into America, right? It, they teach you, they teach you in these camps how to talk with American Border Patrol, right? So that you, you can get in. Now, why are they actually coming to the United States? Right. They are clearly weaponized. I'm a war correspondent, right? I spent years in various wars and conflicts, whether it's Philippines or Nepal or Iraq or Afghanistan, Thailand, Hong Kong. You know, I'm always out there looking at things, not always kinetic wars, but also information with years in kinetic wars. But, and, and, you know, back in my old days, I was a Green Beret. I've studied these sorts of things in, in, in detail. And I know, I, I know what's happening. I can see what's happening. These young military age males are being brought into the United States. Many are being issued phones as they come into the United States, right? They're being given smartphones. These phones obviously can be used to communicate with them, to track with them, to instruct them, to give them money. Hey, everybody show up here. You can see what's happening. Those who have read much history, for instance, read Red Famine or read Mao's Great Famine, you'll see that, let's talk about the Red, red Famine, right? Let's talk about the, the Holodomor in 1932, 33 in Ukraine. Stalin, they did something called kulakization, right? Where they labeled people kulaks, right? Kulak was a like a catch-all term like racist today. Oh, you're a racist. Now, kulak, if you really try to narrow it down, you could, it was a fuzzy word, right? It basically, it meant we don't like you and we're going to kill you and we're going to take your property, right? That's what it actually meant. And so, but you needed a label, right? So they, first of all, they demonized the word kulak. Oh, the kulaks are doing this, the kulaks are doing that, they, Controlling the food prices, Kulak, many of the farmers, they, 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 because they, the Stalin wanted to get rid of the farmers and he wanted to replace them with his own, right? He wanted to control the food supply, right? So he labeled people Kulaks that he wanted to destroy. Like today in the United States, that would be racist, right? Or the Nazis did this with the Jewish and with others, right? So you label them, you, 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 them, you mock them in different ways. And then later, as time, you know, as these few years unfold, and, the, and this term is settled in and people are labeled with this thing. And everybody understands the word kulak means go. It means get them, right? So with the Nazis, you know, if you, if you destroyed Jews, you could keep their homes. You could keep their property, right? So, I mean, it was, it was a war for booty type thing, right? So, first of all, you demonize, and then you mark them. And then you say at one, you know, when the food shortages begin, that's one of the ways you get people going is with food shortages. You, you say, hey, these racists. Are the, the reason that you had to go through the Darien Gap or whatever is because of these racists. And again, the racists don't have to be white people. They can be black people that are just have the wrong views, or they can be Latinos with the wrong views. They can be a Asians will definitely be considered white people. Racists, they'll be considered the racist. And, uh, and, and, and then because many of the people that will you know, be doing the targeting will be like the Antifa clouds, which are mostly... I've been out with Antifa quite a lot. I've been with Antifa in Hong Kong and Atlanta and Portland and Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia. I've been out with those clowns all over the place. They're mm -hmm. basically cult robots, right? The only cult you'll never see is the one you're in. 
And they're always labeling everybody racist, right? And But most of those people doing this are white people, right? They're like, you know, many of them clearly on drugs. Others are not. But they're down in, down in, down in the Keys, the Florida Keys. I was down there last year looking at this issue. And some of the people doing the, most of the people protesting out there about racism are middle-aged white women, right? It's like, they're just like, or, or even are older white women. They're almost all white women. It's really interesting, these things that you see. This is how effective information in war can be. The highest level of warfare, the PhD level, is not kinetics with, you know, shooting and guns and cannons and all that. It's just information warfare. That's where so, most of the battle space is. Go ahead, sir. I was. I wanted to ask you how how did we get here? Or maybe this is another way to look at it. Let's. If you were to put on, you know, your communist hat for a second and pretend like you're a communist, what are you looking for? How do you how do you till the ground psychologically to make it ripe for? indoctrination and what we're dealing with right now like can you walk us through at, at a high level what the steps are to to get us yes. from i mean where we've been to here it's, it's an intergenerational process so if you're trying to figure out when it started during your lifetime anybody who's listening to this is too young to have been around when it started mm -hmm. i don't care how old you are you are not around when it started you know this started long before in fact in 1879 president grant was in paris warning about this you can see it in his autobiography with Samuel Clements. He's he's literally warning about the communists. I've said that before in talks and whatnot, and people will say, well, that's impossible. You've made like a, a timing error. There was They didn't use the term communist back then. And I'm like, again, cease fire. Do your homework before opening your mouth. <laughs> the, the term communist was in wide usage back then, right? Hmm. And he was clearly warning about them while he was in Paris. He was warning about communists doing things exactly like this. And the year was 1879, right? Mm, so, mm. so as we continue to go up, you know, through space and time, this sort of process, is, there's nothing new about it. The things that I'm telling you are not new at all. They're just new to people that are hearing them now for the first time, right? Mm -hmm, They're, mm -hmm. you know, the, I, you know, how corn grows, you know, you, you stuff the seeds into the ground and you throw a fish on top of it for fertilizer. And then the corn comes up, you know, people that have never done that before will go, Wow, there's a new technique for planting corn. You know, that's not, not new at all, right? And so, mm -hmm. and so this, this is, and it's the same with these sorts of information wars. For instance, uh, you know, whether it was done in, the, in in old Russia or or old China, you know, which formed in 1911. You know, it's funny how China, the, the PRC, People's Republic of China, is constantly like, you know, we were this, we were that, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever. It's like, okay, get real. PRC formed in 1911, okay? It didn't form in like 1211 or something, right? <laughs> it's like there was – in China today, where, you know, spent a lot of time rolling around China. It's a, it's a very mixed place, right? Anyway, not to, not to get off, off on a sidetrack, but when did this start? It started way back at the edges of recorded history, right? This has been going on since forever in many different ways, whether it was between Catholics and Protestants or, or Arabs and, you know, Shia versus Sunni or – this labelization, you know, or labeling Jews as cannibals and that sort of thing, you know, all these sorts, of, this sort of information warfare has been has been going on since forever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 now it's just been taken to a more advanced stage because we have the ability to communicate with with each other as we are now, so much more quickly and so much more effectively. And the psychological techniques are known by people that do have control over these systems. For instance, the ability to shut off dissenting voices on social media has been huge on mm -hmm. getting huge amounts of people to, to take the vaccine, the quote vaccines, the fake vaccines. Now, when I even say fake vaccines, that's going to cause the blood pressure of a lot of people to go right through the roof. They're going to go, oh, we've got a vax denier here, right? <laughs> because they are victims of information war, right? They've been taught, like I just I spent a couple of days with a couple of Chinese people who were acting as translators for me in the jungle, and, and, they're, and, the, and they're vaxxed, and, and, and they are totally bought into it. But they haven't even heard these dissenting voices. Mm. They have not even heard that these are not, that the mRNA jabs are not actual vaccines. They never heard that before, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not vaccines. And almost certainly some people listening to this right now We'll go, what do you mean they're not vaccines? Of course they're not. They're, of course they're vaccines. But they're not. They've never been vaccines. They've just had the label stuck to them with Velcro 
And now people are going, yep, they're vaccines and vaccines are good. We've been trained vaccines are good and therefore it's time to get the vaccine, right? But it's not a vaccine and it's clearly killing people. Likewise, yeah. the, so this labelization is very important. When you label people like kulaks, like Stalin did in Ukraine in the 30s for the Holodomor that really unfolded in 32 and 33 and kind of, well, there was famines before and after, but, but the bottom line is, once you labeled them as kulaks and said, these are the guys causing your problems, it's like shaking the rats up in the cage. The rats start fighting each other. They don't, they're fighting each other even if somebody else is rattling their cage, right? Mm -hmm. So what you do and what Stalin did and Mao did over in China, you know, Mao was a student of Stalin, and uh, you, 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 you label the, your enemies, then you have a food shortage or some other crisis, often it's a food shortage, and then you say, go get the kulaks, they're the ones causing your problems. You should take their farms. You just kill them. Kill them and take their farms. That's your farm. They stole it from you, blah, 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 blah right? Mm -hmm. So people, the, the cage is rattled, and then they go steal. A genocide unfolds, whether it's the genocide that occurs from the famine itself, the man-made famine, or from the people who come to your villages and wipe out the whole village and take the whole village. I mean, this is common practice throughout space and time. That's what's happening. I can clearly see it. I'm down here in the gap. Military-age males. Or, you, nobody has to take my word for it and go down to the Daring Gap. Go to the Texas border. Go to El Paso right now. And you'll see Texas Governor Abbott is saying, you know, we're controlling the border. It's complete nonsense. Texas Governor Abbott is part of the World Economic Forum, right? He's on their website. I'm not making this stuff up. Just stop and look on their website. Governor mm -hmm. Abbott is a member of the World Economic Forum. Now, when I say that, the response will immediately be, do you want Beto to be governor? It was a choice between him and Beto. And, and they'll say, no, obviously, I don't want either. Both of those are meat puppets that are put up. Now, when you look at people say, well, you know, Abbott was sending migrants over in buses over to Washington, D.C. This is just like professional wrestling. It's a show. Meanwhile, Abbott's saying, oh, this will teach them. And he's saying this in front of the microphones and whatnot. And everybody's like, yay, Governor Abbott's fighting back. He's not. There's no border in Texas. It does mm -hmm. not exist. He, I'm, I'm down there all the time. I'm on the board. I have a, an old friend of mine in the, in, in the intelligence community, senior intelligence person. And she tells me all the time, I read the reports. I know what's going on. You're exaggerating things. I'm like, when have you ever been to the border? She has never been to the border. She mm -hmm. doesn't know anything about the border, right? There is no border. They're just flooding over the border by the millions, by the millions. That is not an exaggeration. Through the Darien Gap, they're coming through at this point at about 1,000 per day. But many are coming around the Darien Gap. The Darien Gap, again, is just one flow. We also have people coming through Vermont and all over the northern, and not to mention Europe. I just spent four months over in Europe. Luxembourg is now Luxembourg. It used to be the jewel of Europe. I lived in Europe for six years. Deutsch, right? And I was in Luxembourg. It's approximately 50% migrants now. Don't take my word for it. Look on their official website, and it said 48.6 or something. I don't recall, but it was like 48 some odd percent of, of new migrants in Luxembourg, right? That you could, that's last time I was in Luxembourg when I was in the army many years ago, it was very safe. It was super safe, right? You could be out at any time of the day or night. You could let the kids go play. It wouldn't be a problem. Now, there's, you wouldn't take your wife and kids for a walk down Luxembourg City, which is the capital of Luxembourg. It's mm -hmm. dangerous. It feels dangerous. There's, it's like San Francisco or Los Angeles. You know, there, there's homeless people everywhere, people defecating in the streets. I saw maybe a dozen fights in the week that I, or week or so that I was there. It was, it's like every day there were fights right on the sidewalks in downtown Lexington. And, and these are, there, there were African gangs controlling the street, street corners, doing drug deals right side of my, right outside of my hotel room near the train station, downtown Luxembourg City. It's unbelievable. Now, they're, 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 the, they're totally taken over. The common liberal trope to that is, oh, you're you're just a white male that is a bigot and racist because you don't like immigrants. Walk us through why. See how that works? That labelization works. Later, I will be targeted. There's no question about it. I'm a student of this. I know I'm putting a cross there right on my chest by mm -hmm. saying this because they will label you racist. White bigot, blah, blah, blah. And actually, if you go down to the Texas border, which is mostly Hispanic, it's mostly like all, you know, the whole border is mostly Hispanic. They really want to close the border. And so if you want to talk about racist, I mean, it's the Hispanics that are highly conservative, that very, very much want 
Don't take my word for it. Just drive on down there. You can stay inside the United States. Go check into a hotel in El Paso or Del Rio or any of these places. And or you can go down to SpaceX or Bajo Chiquito and 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 and, and, and well, not Bajo Chiquito. That's a Boca Chica. Bajo Chiquito is a village <laughs> in the Darien Gap that I go to sometimes. But Boca Chica, actually, there's not a lot of migrants crossing in Boca Chica. But you can go to SpaceX and then nearby the, the wall. Actually, the the wall ends near SpaceX. You can you can as you, as you leave SpaceX, you'll you'll see the wall in about five minutes if you're if you're driving away from SpaceX. The wall is on your left hand side. Anyway, so, on the on the Rio Grande, but any, a, go ahead, sir. A few minutes ago, you were saying how that they're definitely being activated. You started to say, from your military background, you can see without a doubt that they that there is what some militarization occurring or whatever. What what indicators are you seeing that that show that to be a proof positive for you? Firstly, the main indicator is information war. I study information war. I've written three books on it. Unfortunately, they're all in Japanese only. They're not in English. Because I've been spending years trying to wake up Japan, but they're being targeted. You can often see what a country's intentions are by their information war. So people that are looking for, you know, where the tanks are being deployed or that sort of thing, they're way behind. They're often they're way behind. You know, by the time they're deploying tanks to the border, if you've been studying information war and you watch how they focus their information wars. You 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 you'll be often years ahead, actually, mm. because like for instance, the Chinese Communist Party. I've been to China quite a lot. I got kicked out of Hong Kong in 2020. They should have kicked me out long before. I was a bad boy. You know, it was in the news. You can see me getting kicked out. <laughs> yeah, but they've been doing an information war against Japan and the United States and others for many years. There's a massive museum in Nanjing. It's unbelievable. I've been to the museum. I spent all day in it one day. The bottom line is. If you, if you watch a person's information war, it's like a gunfighter watching your opponent's eyes, right? You know, and watch it, watch their hands, watch their eyes. You know, I mean, you can, you can, you can see often before somebody attacks, they look at what they're going to attack. Or mm -hmm. if somebody has a, a hidden microphone somewhere, they'll often glance at it, right? They'll, if they've got a, if they've got a hidden weapon or something in their pocket, sometimes they'll touch it, right? These sorts of, anyway, these are minor indicators, but if you look at, at at the national level, look at what Hitler did. He was, you know, labeling Jews and others, and 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 and, and, and making them wear the you know marks that you know marking their homes and this sort of. Stalin did similar before that in thirty two, well, with the kulaks, which he later genocided before World War Two. You know, of course, Mao did this. This is over and over. And over endless examples, right? Sure. So what we have now is as people like me. The fact that you even know. You've been assigned. You've been, you've been assigned in your mind the response to what I'm saying now. He's a racist. He's a white male. That's a that's a canned response that's in your yes. head. It's like a it's a click for a response, right? He says this. I answer this automatically. Right. And now that I'm labeled, now you 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 prepare these things, prepare the information, as you say, till the ground, which is a a, a perfect way to put this. That, that's tilling the ground, planting the seeds, right? Now, what they're doing is they're all, the millions of people have been brought in. We don't even know how many. Maybe 5 million people have come in since Biden has come into office. And that's in addition to the ones who are already there, in addition to the Americans themselves who are already weaponized with racial hatred, right? It's just an easy matter of time now. You shake the cage. Food supplies are under attack. I've been warning about this for years now, that, that we're, we're going into global famine, right? Again, people might say that's conspiracy theory. At, at, at this point, I will not even engage with people. I don't have time for people that can't see it yet. We have to focus mm -hmm. on those who can actually, you know, look around themselves and see what's happening. The chicken fires, the increased prices, you can't get your eggs, the beef prices, the, you know, all these other sorts of things. Now. What's coming next? We're going to go into a food crisis. This is patently obvious for me who spends seven days a week, years on end, studying food and energy and migration and information war. It's a whole, it's a whole ecosystem of, 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 you know, forcing people to take the jabs, forcing people to wear masks, forcing people to lock down, putting people out of business, putting people under direct control of whether it's digital money and these many other forms of control. You know, for instance, Canadians. Are unable to get medical treatment if you don't take the jab. 
you know, and then people just willfully getting it. Of course, I have to take the jab. It's my duty, that sort of thing, that sort of ridiculous thing. Let's call mm-hmm. it what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and, and so what 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 will clearly happen next is we're going into food crisis in the United States, and we're going into economic crisis. This is amazingly obvious, right? You don't need an economist. You don't need to be an orthopedic surgeon to see when somebody gets hit by a car and they got their femur sticking out of their leg that they've got a compound fracture, right? And you don't need to be an economist to see that economies are collapsing around the world. Europe is a dead man walking. I mean, what I've been warning about, for instance, BASF, it's the biggest chemical company in the world. It's the main plant is at Ludwigshafen, Germany. I was there twice last year. I've been warning, watch BASF. When BASF collapses, that's the European Union having a heart attack and dying at your feet. And sure mm-hmm. enough, some months ago, they, cl- they started closing down most of their operations, something I've been mm-hmm. warning about for a long time. That's, your, that, that's, a canary, that's a giant canary in the coal mine. And so Europe, 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 Europe is, is, is a dead man walking. China, TCP, and PRC is similar, as is the United States. As a, now, let me tell you where I'm going with this. Hot, hot, human osmotic pressure, H-O-P, hot. The human osmotic pressure, the push and pull of migration. The migration, there's many things that causes this osmotic pressure, this push and pull. One is war. One is famine. And one is pandemic, pandemic, famine, war, you know, the four horsemen, fourth one being death. These drive hop. There's other things that drive hop, the human osmotic pressure. It can be just economic osmosis and these sorts of things. But at this time, what's happening is as the world goes into food shortages and eventually into global famines, the globalists have been saying for years they intend to push 1.2 billion migrants. And they're blaming it, of course, on climate change, the, the, the huge information war in and of itself which is part of tilling the ground, the climate change thing. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to stop eating beef because of climate change. Got to do this. Got to do that. And if you don't believe in climate change, you are a denier. And a denier is a racist. And a racist and a denier should be put to death because they're the ones destroying the earth and killing all the whales, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is how the information war works, right? Mm -hmm. This is a Mm -hmm. comprehensive information campaign. The big, the the most serious information wars, you'll never really see them because they're all around you so much. It's like being in the jungle. You know, all you see is that jungle. There's nothing else outside of that jungle you're in. You can't, there's no zipper to this IMAX theater. Like, you know, it's a cult. It's, a, it's like, for instance, the climate cult. That's what it is. You'll never see the cult you're in. That's the only cult you'll never see is the cult you're in. Right? Walk us through. So you, get, you- you spent some time in an actual cult, a cannibal cult of all cults. Yep, what I infiltrated them. Yep. That's that's fascinating. I would love to do a whole call on that. But in in with respect to some of the the limited time that we have, what exactly is the cult? Like why? What is so obviously there's a there's the information campaign here. There's the information warfare that is skewing reality. To me, it's 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 they're giving you the lens through which to look at the world. And so if that lens is oh. You know, Michael's upset at migrants, therefore he must be a bigoted racist. He's got to go. That's the lens through which you're looking at the world. How how can somebody untangle that? Or is there a way that is there a way to counter that? Is is there any way that we can help people see out, you know, see the lens that's being put in front of their eyes and affecting their perspectives? The first would be, first of all, I'm not against migrants, right? At all. In fact, I think we should have taken a hundred thousand Hong Kongers. When, when the things happened in 2020, right? I, I said that in many interviews. I've published it many times. Taiwan, if CCP were to actually attack Taiwan, I'd take a million Taiwanese in the United States. Why? Mm-hmm. Because Taiwanese have a very low crime rate, right? right? We, we assimilate with each other well, right? We don't mm-hmm. create human islands. Taiwanese are not going to suddenly start, you know, stealing everybody's farms and that sort of thing. Uh, they're not going to be easily weaponized against people that are already here. So I, I'm, I'm not against migration at all. But that's the label, right? So if you raise any hand that, hey, there's people coming through with children that are clearly not their children. And people will say, well, how would you know that? And I'm like, well, because that baby looks like a Latino baby and you look like a Haitian. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and uh, you see this constantly right babies are being sold and they're being rented literally rented so that people can get over the borders with them and then they're and then they're recycled you can't even make up this stuff the united states government if you want to call it that is a human trafficker i mean anyway cults 
This is a whole interesting topic. You know, I when I was in special forces, that was when I learned you need to pay attention to things like this. Some of the old timers who were my <clears throat> who were my, you know, instructors and that sort of thing who had been in places like Vietnam, the ones who were more academic, you know, would say you need to study world religions, you need to study cults, you know, because you know, as a special forces soldier, you're gonna end up at these places and people are gonna have really beliefs and they're going to affect your ability to operate. You need to understand. And, be, and, and learn that that's what got me on this anthropological adventure when I realized how interesting this was. And so since that time, I've spent years, you know, studying, you know, influence operations and, and mind control. A great book on that, by the way, is Rape of the Mind from 1954 called Rape of the Mind, written by a psychologist, Dutch psychologist named Mirlu. Rape of the Mind, I highly suggest you read it, 1954. And, mm-hmm. and I've, you know, I've studied information operations in depth. And as you're doing this, you'll eventually realize I have to study cults. <clears throat> and one of the things about cults is often people think, oh, there's just like a few cults out there and they spring up from now and then, you know, now, now and then, and you know, maybe a bunch of people drink Kool-Aid and everybody falls over, right? Or everybody takes the jab and everybody falls over, right? And but you what you actually, the more you study cults, the more you realize that you're actually surrounded by cults. Everybody listening to this is either in a cult, you'll never see the cult that you're in, um, or they their whole ecosystem, there's people in what you would call different cults, objectively, right? In other words, you're in some sort of thought ecosystem that is you're not allowed to think outside of that, right? Mm. You'll be punished in some way if you do, right? You say, mm. if you don't bump your head on the ground at the right prayer times in certain countries, you'll be beat down or put in prison or even killed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's clear cult-like behavior. You have no option whether or not you're going to leave or not. You stay or leave, you know, there's just no way, there's no way to leave. Sometimes people who've studied cults will, will they'll, they'll, they'll actually say in direct words, like the U.S. Marine Corps is a cult. And I'm like, yeah, not really, because you're free to go. You're absolutely free to go, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't drag just anybody into the Marines. And now it has cult-like behaviors there's no question about it as do the seals often my friends who are seals listening to this will be writing me some bad messages now <laughs> all right all right you'll be cooled off by the time you can get to me those and you'll be like, okay let's leave her. but i mean but i mean but they are it's first of all it's hard to get in there and and they're not going to accept just anybody they're not going to force you to join the marines you're not going to be forced to join a seal you're not going to be forced to stay in right you're not going to be forced to give up your money, you might give up your life, but you'll actually be paid. And that's what it's, 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 it's sort of, it's got some characteristics, but it's not, re- you know, but actually you'll, if, between, if you want to see, you know, you know, an argument break out, you, if you have a long table of people and you start to say, well, what's the difference between a cult and a religion? You'll actually start a, a, an argument every time it will definitely devolve. It's like, you know, throwing the Nazi accusation out, right? You, you'll, um, You'll you'll end up with an argument because we will tend to want to define it in a way, gerrymander the definition so that we're never in a cult, but everybody else is, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, you'll see like the Nazis, for instance, were a clear cult and they're not dead. Klaus Schwab clearly has, he, he clearly came from the Nazi tree. That's not mm-hmm. exaggeration. That's not, that's not a hyperbole whatsoever. It's his direct family line. He talks like it. You know, people that think the Nazis were dead, they're simply wrong. Yeah, I, I tell you what, man, after having lived in, I lived in Europe for six years. I lived in Germany for four years. I, and having traveled the world, I've spent more than half of my life in other countries outside of the United States. Most of my adult life has been, by far, most of my adult life has been in about 90 other countries, right? <clears throat> and and I've come to the realization, many realizations. And again, one of those is the, the only the only cult you'll never see is the one that you're in. But mm-hmm. many of these, many of these, some of the most severe manifestations of cult behavior have come from Germans with pens, <laughs> German philosophers, you know, mm-hmm. that Gotha Damodar wrote big into the sky, mm-hmm. like, you know, communism and, and, and Nazism and, and arguably fascism. I, I know, you know, the, the word will, that will jump people right over to Italy, but all these things are from the same e- ecosystem of authoritarian mm. control, right? Mm. It's interesting. I, I, I was just out with Kuna Indians. In fact, I got a book sitting on the table here in front of me from, about Kuna Indian tribes. 
they're they're a tribe in in, in Panama and Colombia, and uh, kind of militaristic tribe at times. And they, you know, little little tribes like this, they will tend to be obviously sort of what we would call communists, right? Because I don't mean communists like like you know wearing a Che T-shirt. I mean the, the, at the tribal level, you're, it's families. You know, the families are actually matriarchal. They're actually the women run it at the family level. The men mm-hmm. run it at the tribal level. Uh, mm-hmm. That actually happens with Pashtuns as well, by the way. Interesting. And some of the Pashtuns are, are they have different elements there. Anyway, but but the but they're they're sort of communist at that level because everybody has to. Like I was just out in one Kuna village called Anachikana on the in, in the near the sand block. It's not in the sand block, but and all the men when I was out there had to work that day to help install a water system. And they were saying like you'll see all the men they're they're working today, and you're not allowed not to work today, which is like straight up communism in a sense. But it's fine for them because they're very it's important for them that they work together, right? It's their little ant nest and their 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 monoculture. Is you know it's not not big you know it's like about seven eight hundred people in that village, and and if and if all the men don't work they're not going to get to eat the pie they're not going they were installing water pipes from the from the nearby hills to get water mm-hmm. into the village, so I mean we sort so at that level it actually makes sense right when you're at that tribal level you have to operate as a as a as well a it's basically communist right yeah yeah and you need to I mean because if you don't Guess what? Those other tribes who do, they're going to wipe you out. <laughs> you know, they're going to take your land, right? So at that level, it's very important. But at another higher level, like the, the one we're at, that doesn't, that's not going to work out well. I've spent years in communist countries. I spent two years in Poland, as an example, during the transition. And, and you can just see in all these, com- I spent years in, you know, whether it's Laos or China or whatever, uh, in all these places I've been, and you'll see communism just sucks the soul out of people, right? They, it sucks out their imagination. It sucks out their energy. They basically do not believe the amount of alcoholism you see in these places. Anyway, we can go off on many tangents. I should. Yeah, let, you let me let me ask you. So you've been warning for quite some time now, and your warnings are fairly <laughs> dire to say, to put it lightly. If for those that are paying attention, because I'm with you and I see what you're talking about as far as the psychological warfare, the information warfare that we're dealing with. Just on a quick side note on that, my liberal friends, I've noticed whenever I try to share with them what's going on and they you know have a hard time taking it in, it's they're taking one data point and and they think that I have come to these conclusions based off of one data point, but you really can't see it until you zoom out. And in order to zoom out, you have to be willing to, to take on the possibility that it actually might be true. And so you have to first have that fundamental belief, and then you start to see the patterns of the data points, and then it's very difficult not to see it at that point. But my question to you is, now that we're here, if, if you've been paying attention, we're at a we're at a at a detention point there there the the pawns are off the board and we're down to like the rooks and the kings and the queens i mean if if you're paying attention what happens next and what can people do to best prepare for it well we're, we're first of all we could beat this back right this is you know the indians i spent a year in india i learned so much in india that was like a universe I divide the world into two countries, by the way, of the 90 countries I've been in. I divide it into India and everything else. So, mm-hmm. you know, India's like, I, I would love to go back there for another year. I just learned so, so much there. But the Indians have a parable, the, the elephant and the chain. So you take a baby, and this is, according to them, true. You take a, a and actually I've seen it. I've actually seen it with my eyes. You, you, um, so it is true. I've actually seen it. <laughs> you, you take an elephant as a baby elephant, and you... And you put a chain around it and you stake it to the ground. And baby elephants are like baby humans, man. They do all kinds of bad stuff. You know what I mean? They're out, you know, smashing stuff and, you know, experimenting with the world. And they have to be taught, right? So that otherwise they become like, they actually become gangsters. Elephants will actually naturally become gangsters. It's like Lord of the Flies. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Like down, down in Africa, there was, we're talking about India, but let's go to Africa for a minute. There's a bunch of rhinoceroses and other things were being slaughtered and just like murdered by these elephants. And uh, and 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 when these elephant specialists started to figure, why are these elephants murdering all these animals? They normally can go to the water hole together and everything's cool. You know, everybody comes and gets a drink and 
makes mm-hmm. a map and that sort of thing. But, you know, these these this group of elephants was just like serial killers, Lord of the Flies, you know. And it's because poachers had killed off the male elephants for their tusks and whatnot. So there was no bull elephants to beat up the little ones and say, hey, don't be, you know, killing the rhinoceros. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't go kill the zebras and keep the water and don't let the zebras drink and make them, you know, die of thirst or whatever. And so, and and anyway, back to India, the the the, the elephant, the, the elephant in the chain. So I put a baby elephant, it'll stake its leg to a chain. And the elephant realizes, wow, every time I try to go off and do baby elephant stuff, I'm stuck to this stake, right? And I can't, you know, so it just stops pulling on it after a while. And the stake's not coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then as the elephants are older, you can just put a chain on their leg and just leave a stake on the ground. And the elephant will just stay by that stake. It doesn't even, you just put the chain on their leg and they won't, they won't leave. They'll, right. they'll, they've been trained. Once I have the chain on my leg, I just stand here. You know what I mean? I do. So, so really uh, interesting. Uh, is what you're saying then that in your mind that there's still a possibility for us to wake people up to realize, oh, there is no chain. I'm not being tied down. I can break out of the quote unquote matrix and actually see that the world is 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 actually being run and taken over by a large cabal of criminals. So there's different factions. You've mentioned the CCP. We've talked about, of course, the globalist world economic forum and whatnot. Of course, as I'm sure you've bumped into the Mexican cartel, the drug cartel is certainly no ally to the freedom loving citizen on either side of the border. So again, in your mind, is there time still to wake people up and can we turn this tide or, or are we really needing to, you know, it, it is what it is and pe- people who see it, see it and people who don't, don't. And, you know, what are the next steps in that case? Well, I said, it may sound rather cruelly earlier that at some point I just start disregarding and not engaging with certain people. And there's a reason for that. It's not because I'm cruel and, or, or don't wish that they would come around. I just yeah. know from my, my experience in, in wars and my experience in just studying so much, that's all I do is study and travel and, and uh, talk, listen to people and read history books. And that's all I do seven days a week, right? For years, I know through space and time that there will be people that just can't be reached ever, or they yeah. just ended up running the death camps. It's just, for instance, in, in the Holodomor, 32, 33, you know, Stalin's famine in Ukraine, there were people, read the book Red Famine, you'll see reports of people writing letters to Stalin, like if Stalin only knew that we were in famine, he would come and stop this thing. They revered Stalin so much that they wouldn't, they wouldn't let their own mind accept that he's the one doing it. Whereas other people can see it clearly. Stalin's the one doing it. He's the one that's labeled us as kulaks. So mm-hmm. while you're writing the letter, you know, hey, Stalin, please come help us. You've been labeled kulak. They're coming to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And likewise, and 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 so likewise over in, in Mao's great famine, right? People were writing letters to Mao. Mao only knew. Chairman Mao knew, you know. I've been over to Beijing and stood in line for hours. All these Chinese line up and, you know, because Mao to them is like a, he's like a godlike figure, right? And so you have to stand in line for hours to, to just quickly go through where his wax figure is under, you know, glass, right? It's like Mao in the aquarium, right? And, 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 and I mean, you're just really quick, no cameras, no nothing. And it's just a really quick to go through there. And what's interesting though is how much they revere him still as a godlike figure, right? Mm. So, you know, the brainwashing techniques are quite real. They're quite well described. They're nothing new, you know, like the ability to build the Notre Dame Cathedral. That's old wisdom and knowledge and engineering or the ability to build the pyramids. There's people have known how to do amazing engineering feats, the aqueducts. They've known how to do these things for a long time. Likewise, they've known how to, this knowledge of brainwashing and what knowledge passed down through certain lines intergenerationally it's passed down in books it's passed down just family lines like klaus schwab is an example and klaus schwab as you look more closely at him you can see he's actually a meat puppet for others he's like Mm -hmm. for instance when masako ganaha the famous japanese journalist just confronted him a couple weeks ago in davos he didn't have any real security with him and uh, he only had just a couple guys with him and he got into a diesel car, by the way. I think it was a hybrid, but it was a, definitely it was a V8. You know, he got into it. So here's Mr. Climate Change guy, right? So uh, <laughs> she's got him on video doing it. And it, it, went, it went viral. So you can find it like Masako Ganaha, Klaus Schwab. You can see the video. It was really amazing. 
But then she did the same with with Greta. Greta was there. Greta was Greta Thunberg, another meat puppet. Let's just call them what they are. Like Biden, he's a meat puppet. Trudeau, meat puppet. They are working. They are just pawns. I mean, we might look at them as a prime minister or a president, but on this other scale, they are clearly pawns, right? And they are clearly what's called dog kings. But I, I can talk about that in a minute if we have time. But but you can see Greta is there, and she's lost. She can't find the train. She has no security. She's walking mm-hmm. around Davos, and, and Masako's following her around with the camera, trying to ask questions. They're very arrogant. As the WEF people, to a man and to a woman, they're all arrogant. If you, if you talk with people who are involved with the World Economic Forum, they are amazingly arrogant. Yeah, it's talk just, about bigotry. Remember, oh, remember what I just said on the arrogance. It's like, to me, that's like an indicator. When I meet somebody incredibly rare, I mean, not rare, but incredibly arrogant, and they show certain other traits, I start to wonder, are they a member of the world? And, you know, sometimes I've done research and thought, yep, there it is, you know, it's quite clear, you know. It's, 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 just a, it's, it's a marker of their, of their little cult. It's a, it's a clear cult, right? Yeah. But again, people, again, people like Klaus Schwab, he's a clear meat puppet. Why is he walking around out there with very little security, right? And I mean, it's a you know obviously there's a lot of people that would like to see an end to him, and, or Greta Thunberg, no security, lost around Devlin's, can't can't even find the train station. There's nobody there to pick her up and deliver her to the train station. She gives this little speech, which if you look on mainstream, it looks like it's a big speech, but it's not. Masako was there with her filming with her little camera, and you can see it's just a bunch of little kids in the. They're like they, they appear to be mostly like like young teenagers or you know 15, 16 year old teenagers at the at the they are clearly props, right? It's, it's so interesting how much of this is just smoke and mirrors. Man behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz, right? A lot of it's just fakery. Well, even even her Greta Thunberg's arrest the other day, there's a video that came out that just showed the her with the law enforcement just laughing, waiting, and then finally somebody said action, and then they went into action, and it was it's like so yeah. painfully obvious that it's it's all theater, you know. They even hide it. They don't even hide. Not even it. hiding it. Yep. Can, can, do we have time for me to talk about dog kings? Yeah, dog so sure. Go for it. Okay. This is an interesting concept. Now, that term's not used anymore. It's an old, old term from centuries ago. So a research partner and I have started to reinvigorate an old term called dog king. You may remember Caligula, you know, allegedly made his horse into a senator, right? Caligula, mm-hmm. Roman emperor, mm-hmm. makes horse into senator, whether it's true or not is up for debate. So let's not start that argument. But anyway, so but that's, that's, a, that's a dog king type thing. And so it's a demoralization technique. So if you make a horse into a senator, then the whole Senate is demoralized. The people will have less faith in the government and the Senate and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the Senate itself. Now, the current king of Thailand, King Rama X, he made his poodle. His poodle is named Fufu. His dad was actually a great king, King Rama IX. I'm American. You know, we tend to not like kings right out of the stall, right? <laughs> we don't like kings. But but I like King Ramadan. His father was a great man. But his son, King Ramadan, he's basically Hunter Biden. Right? I mean, he's had severe problems with, with substance abuse and that sort of thing, and very mm-hmm. volatile guy. So he get when his father passed away, a spirit of Thailand, really. Then his son was well, he took the secession. Right? He took the line. He took the next in line, right? And, and so then he made his poodle Fufu was the name of the poodle Fufu, a vice air marshal in the Royal Thai Air Force. So that dog became a senior officer in the Thai Air Force, which demoralized. There was some political infight. There's always political infighting in the Thai military between the Navy and the Army and the Air Force. They've actually fought each other before with, you know, cannons and airstrikes and stuff. You know, I mean, they've had some proper infighting, right? Not like the Marines and the Army are throwing jabs at each other with words. I mean, they're like you know, airstrikes. <laughs> And so, and so, and uh, not not in re- not in the last few generations, but they they they've definitely done it in in, in recent times, and and like in the in the fifties and so and uh, so anyway, so that's a dog king thing. You know, you see the 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 the, the uh, mentally damaged guy up in Philadelphia, Fetterman is in office. That's a dog mm-hmm. king, or Biden, mm-hmm. who's clearly just the worst guy in the world. Even if he didn't have some sort of you know corrosive brain disease, you know. Or Even the, if or he did tra- not trans, have that. Who, who is yeah. the, uh, was it the health secretary who's an overweight trans person? 
Yeah, all that stuff. Or you know, the, yeah. the the other one, the other one that was stealing luggage and all these dog cages, right? But those are called dog cages. They're demoralization techniques. And how this worked, like for instance, in the old days, where the term came from, when the Swedish and Norwegians are fighting each other and one wins and the other makes, you know, kills the king, and then they make a dog, or they make or they, you know, just dethrone the king. And they make a dog into a king and make it a crown and everything. Mm. And and they get you know, the dog has an interpreter, a translator. So, you know, and then the translator, you know, tells the people what to do. Well, you're going to have to work an hour extra every day now because, you know, we need more crops this year or whatever. And the people are like, why would we do that? Well, the king said that you, you have to do it. And they're like, well, the king's a dog. Well, yeah, but the, yeah, but he's still the king. And mm-hmm. so it's a demoralization technique when people are like, mm-hmm. well, since the dog is the king and I have to obey the king, you know, and that's a demoralization technique like Biden. He's clearly evil. He's clearly a traitor or General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is clearly a traitor. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no question about it. And it's like for any rational person would not let this stand. Right. Or, or, or Kamala Harris, just a, just like a, such a low IQ person. Right. Uh, Trudeau amazingly arrogant all these people are amazingly arrogant have you noticed or, or Mark Nuta over in Nuta over in the prime minister of netherlands he's he's another west puppet you can see klaus schwab saying where do you find such a you know that that dark almost nazi-like accent of klaus schwab i know, you know that, guy, he, that you can see a lot of these people are in these positions because this is like a professional wrestling act right yeah mm-hmm. like for instance if i if for instance if I mention the word CNN, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little experiment, and I'm gonna say CNN is just a corrupt, terrible, owned organization. It's not even media. Now, a lot of people just thought Fox. They just thought, well, what about Fox, right? Or I listen to Fox. Or oh, mm-hmm. what are you a Fox listener or something? But Fox mm-hmm. jumped into your head for a lot of people, right? So if mm-hmm. I say CNN, you'll think Fox, right? This is mm-hmm. a sign. This is part of brainwashing. So you'll see CNN and Fox. This is like looking in a, in a professional wrestling ring. Hey, that guy just hit that guy over the head with a chair. All right, but he just threw him out of the ring, you know? And it's like, you know, it's a, so these two are fighting each other. And you're like, you know, well, CNN just said this terrible thing. Let's see what Fox has to say, right? It's all part of the ecosystem of information war, right? They're playing yep. off of each other. It's part of the same, it's part of the same beast. Right, you have to really get above this thing to see it, and and it's quite the the more you study it though, and if you'll unlock your mind, let's say enable yourself and put the arm switch on, like I'm willing to accept that the worldview I've been served up is not actually the way things are working. It's very clear that the U.S. government is highly predatory against American citizens. It's very clear that the U.S. government is helping to run the pumping stations through the Darien Gap. It's crystal clear that we have no border, and the people that are doing that are the U.S. government, right? Yes. Ogus, as I call it, the occupied government. You know, I'm sorry, I'm going for hours, man. You got no, me no, on I, now. You got to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean you're you're preaching to the choir. I mean, there's so many other there's so many other things. And this is where somebody who's skeptical feels like there's no substance because there, there's so much to share that it's impossible to share. <laughs> like, you know, but th- we could go on and on with how they're, yeah. uh, you know, sending money to the Ukraine and all the stuff that's going on with the bio labs and the, you know, the destruction of the currency is another potential thing that's happening right now. Another thing that is very clear in communist literature is that you want to, and this is respect to demoralization, is you want to take the things in a society that that society holds sort of near and true to its heart as pillars of excellence, et cetera, and replace those as well. And so we're, we've been seeing replacements of, you know, historical icons, heroes, artwork is another big one. There was a, a Martin Luther King piece of art that just was released and people were talking about it and they're saying, hey, the, if you look almost every single angle that you look at this piece of artwork, this it's not a bust of Martin Luther King or anything like that. It's literally like this circle of hands kind of thing, but it looks like a giant turd and people are sitting there in social media going, yeah. what the fuck is that? It looks like a piece of shit, you know, but this is yeah. how you take, you take something that, that the nation holds as high regard and turns it into garbage essentially. And, but you do that. Across yeah, now watch what happened. I, I've been saying this for several years now. Watch what happens. You're going to see at some point they're going to defund 
the national cemeteries like Arlington? Are they going to reduce the funding, right? I guarantee you they're going to do it, right? And and here's the thing about, you know, I've told many of my veteran friends, which is a lot of my friends, I mean, you know, they're like, no, they would never do that. They would never defund the VA or the Arlington or, you know, the National Cemetery. They're like, you have no idea. They will absolutely do it. In fact, I'll be amazingly surprised if they don't at this rate. Now you're put into a quandary. And the quandary is, what are you going to do about it? I don't mean, what are you going to do about it with your mouth? Like, well, when they've crossed this line, I'm going to do such and such. All right. They've crossed the line. They've crossed a lot of lines, a huge amount of lines, right? They've installed, I mean, what are transparently stolen elections. What have you done? Nothing. The border is completely open. We have no border. What have you done? Nothing. You're just sitting here and denying. Nothing's happened. The border's wide open, you know, and people are like, well, we've got Governor Abbott in there. Governor Abbott works for the World Economic Forum. It is not even vaguely hidden. It's right in the open, right in front of you. It's the turd on the table right? Nothing. They're not doing anything. This is demoralization. So people start to become, wow, you know, it works. Demoralization. You know, who is the uh, Russian demoral- the uh, psychological warfare expert? He made uh, some videos Yuri, about this years Yuri ago. Bezmanov, yeah, Yuri Bezmanov. Yeah, he, he, those were excellent videos. And, and they're worth everybody watching Yuri's videos. And he talks about this demoralization. And you can see it happening right now. Border 100%. does not exist. They are clearly being weaponized. They will clearly be deployed later. That's how these things go. People who are, are being labeled racist, white bigots. These are, I'm telling you, that means you're being targeted for death. And that's not an, this is not an exaggeration. This is just reality. You know, these FEMA camps, I have a friend that was talking to me about, I, I, I know various contractors that, that build camps and things like this. And one just got asked for to, to make a, a proposal for 10 FEMA camps, as an example, right? Mm. What are these FEMA camps going to be for? Are they going to be for the sheep that don't have enough food because they didn't pay attention to these obvious warnings that the government is destroying our food supply? Is it, is it, or, or are they going to be for these men who are coming across the border and these phones that are being issued? You say, right, show up to this camp and there'll be plenty of food, right? You show mm-hmm. up to that camp, you start... And those camps will be divided up into ethnicities because that's how these things are done. Not just now, but that means this is like, this is a no-brainer. It's how it's done in space and time. You divide them up, like you'll have the Haitian camp, you'll have the Chechen camp, you'll have the Cuban camp, you'll have the different mm-hmm. camps. They'll be indoctrinated. They'll be given missions. They'll be trained. They'll be armed. And they'll be given missions. And they'll be not fed. And then they'll be, mm-hmm. and then they'll be after that's over. I mean, when it's all said and done, they'll be like, hey, and you're, go do your thing. And you can keep the property of the people that you take it from. And they'll just run Jesus. wild. Hey, it's not their country. They don't have any, they don't, they don't care about a constitution. And they've been, they will have been indoctrinated and enabled to, to do their thing, right? This is how these things go. And just read Red Famine. What? Read, everybody reading this, if you read Rape of the Mind 54 by Mirlu or Red Famine or Mao's Great Famine, just read all three of those books. Mao's Great Famine. Red Famine and Rape of the Mind. Read Rape of the Mind. And notice I'm not giving you any Amazon links. I'm not getting paid for these things. You know, I think Rape of the Mind is out of copyright anyway, probably. Oh, yeah. It must I be. just got it. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm reading it. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you read those books and you'll see that that's what's happening. It's really clear. Well, so for those that are listening to this who have either already read them or are on board and hear your, hear your warnings, is are there practical things that they can be doing that you recommend? Well, if you play defense, you're going to lose. Bottom line, if you just sit down there and go, "Well, I've got enough food and water and solar panels, shouldn't be a problem." Yeah, there'll be a problem because there's going to be food shortages, and they're going to be very serious. It's clearly building, right? And then, what's going to happen with you? <laughs> you're going to sit there and just wait it out for ten years? I mean, this is this is where it's down to. We need free and fair elections, right? People should, in Arizona, I was at Arizona at those elections. I went to two of the polling stations that day and the machines were not working. And you know what the result was of the Arizona people? Nothing. Nobody came out and protested in the streets. Zero. Nothing. Nobody protested. Yeah, nothing. Mm -hmm. People are so, people are so tamed. They're so, you know, demoralized. I I really think- Demoralized of the elephant in the chain. They, They don't even get out. I mean, they're just like laying there and waiting to be run over by the tank. 
I think I think a lot of people think that 100% you need free and fair elections, but they think that the system is so wildly corrupt, and they are likely correct on a lot of that. So they don't really see what protesting would do. Protesting isn't going to change anything. That's going to move the needle. And short of, you know, violence, there's not much I don't think people feel like they can do. Although I will say... That there has been, if you look at what's going on in the in education, parents have started to push back on school boards. They're starting to take over local. They are running and winning in local elections and starting to heed some change there. There's a whole movement right now as well about rural um, uh, authority. Are you familiar with this? There's a great book, and maybe this is one to add into the list as far as what to do <laughs> moving forward, how we can actually maybe solve some of these problems. Yeah. But it's it's called the fourth branch. And most of us think that we're we are, you know, subjects to the to the kings and queens in Congress and and our elections, right? And, and who we've elected in, but but we feel like we're demoralized and we have no power there except that we do. And so I recommend that people read that book as well. It's called The Fourth Branch. I haven't gone through it fully just yet, but conceptually, there are some avenues that we can take that, that have been given to us in the Constitution and, frankly, is our God-given right to push back against this criminality. Yeah, That's, yeah. That's another and one. yeah, well, sir, I have to cut out now because I, I, I'd love to come on for another hour at some point. I mean, there's a lot to talk about and we can't. There's just, a ton to talk about. Have, yeah, um, we, we should get back on and do it again in about a week if you if you have any spots open. Uh, but, you know, 100%. I'll talk your ear off. It's, 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 hard, it's hard to get me on. But then once you got me on, it's hard to get me <laughs> off the phone. But, but that's quite, that's quite <laughs> all right. Because I'm out in the, the jungle so much. And stuff, it's kind of hard to get the timing right. But once it is no right, problem. it's right. No problem. The, the The fact that you were in the jungle for that long and you were able to just come right out and do this interview is a true testament to who you are and the passion behind the message that you are sending. It is received here. I hope people who are listening to this really take it to heart because this is this is real shit, folks. So anyway, yes, Michael, we would love to have you back on in a week or so and we'll stay in touch. But again, thank you so much for your time today and God bless. Thank you, sir. And see you next time. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wired for Impact. If you're interested in creating and expanding your impact, be sure to visit us online at impactnow.com.